Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So, however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways Alrighty, today's a big old saturday folks and y'all know what that means yes yes us versus y'all game three celtics at the nets game three celtics us up to nothing on y'all in the nets so we get the big game today the easiest the hands down best series in the playoffs first round so far and uh you know we got uh you know we got the Celtics visiting the Nets are the Nets finally going to be able to win a game because they are at home there's great incredible I didn't even think this was possible news for the Celtics coming game three Robert Williams back folks so now the Celtics that are already great are getting their starting big back no more Daniel Tice in the starting lineup and y'all are thinking the Nets are winning tonight <laughs> laughable folks we're going up three nothing cannot wait it's the later game tonight seven o'clock cannot wait for that it's must watch basketball folks it's honestly must watch basketball so whatever you're doing clear your schedule clear your calendar because at seven o'clock Celtics Nets game three folks everybody must make sure they're watching that yes yes Yes. All right. So, cannot wait for that game. But today on the show, we got to break down the three games from yesterday, preview and bet all the games on today. It's another four-game day, and this is going to be one of the last four-game days for really the rest of the NBA playoffs. So, once again, we are in the golden era. This is the last golden era weekend of NBA playoff basketball. Once again, after this weekend, no more four-game days. It's going to be uh, it's going to be unfortunate, but we're all going to have to, you know, move on and live on. But we can enjoy today. We can enjoy tomorrow. Yes, live in the moment. Live in the present. Let's enjoy the greatness that we'll be watching over the next two days. Yes, sound good. Yes, while making money. Sound even better now? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. All right, so today on the show, breaking down the games from last night, betting on the games today. Getting to the NFL story, some good ones to talk about, and then I think we can squeeze in Kenny Pickett, which is great because we're like five days away. How, Dude, this draft has truly crept up on us, folks. Five more days, six, five more days, however you want to count it, seven, I don't know. It's like five, six, seven days until <laughs> the NBA or the NFL draft. What does it kick off Thursday, this upcoming Thursday? So we have only watched one draft prospect, not really where we wanted to be, but the show must go on. But uh, we're going to potentially squeeze in Kenny Pickett today, folks, and see if he's better than Malik Willis. And I see a lot of people kind of drawing back their interest on Malik Willis, which I think was kind of strange because everybody was gushing about him. 
over his pro day. But after that, over the last uh, couple of weeks since his pro day, I think people are kind of starting to um, not really praise and really gush over Malik Willis like they were at his uh, combine and pro day. So really interesting. Everybody's kind of falling off of Malik Willis, which is, you know, kind of what we were saying. We were like, uh, yeah, was it that impressive? His college career that impressive? We didn't really find anything that great. So we'll see what Kenny Pickett has for us today and, uh, you know, seeing which team picks the right quarterback. We know this is not a deep or even great quarterback draft class. So if you're going with the quarterback, you better make sure you're getting the right one, the one that is going to pan out uh, in the NFL. Because I don't know if too many of these quarterbacks are going to be kind of, you know, talked about three or four years down the line. So if there's one to be had, you better make sure you're doing your due diligence to go out and find which one is the guy. So we'll see if Kenny Pickett can be that guy that we're talking about seven years down the line. Wow, Kenny Pickett, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Potentially, we'll see. So let's kick off the show here. We're going to start in the NBA and then transition to the NFL. But let's start uh, breaking down the games from last night. Um, Some nice surprises, some nice overall action. And once again, we have some series now. Yes, some blowouts earlier. But man, oh man, some great performances as well. So here we go, Heat at the Hawks, game three, first game in Atlanta, and the Hawks squeeze it out by one point, winning 111 to 110, and it really just came down to who was going to be more clutch. We know in this series, um, you know, it it wasn't really billed, Jimmy Butler versus Trey Young, but then remember in game one, you know, them getting into that kind of confrontation a little bit, bumping chest, Jimmy Butler going absolutely manic in game two to seal and secure the win, and then in this game, there was uh, a chance by each each player here, Jimmy Butler and Trey Young, to be clutching to win the game. And one player was just a little bit more clutch than the other. So here we go. Let's take it from the final 10 seconds. Heat up 110, 109. Trey Young taking the ball up the court, sees the lane, drives, floats the ball up, and gets it to go. Hawks take a 1.111-110 lead with four seconds left. So Trey Young, clutch, absolutely clutch, huge shot right there. But Jimmy Butler has an opportunity to win the game himself so here we go heat now down 1.111110 with four seconds left jimmy butler is going to get the inbound pass he's going to be dribbling to it dribbling to the left locked up by john collins shoots up a wild three and just falls short so trey young and the hawks get their first win of the series and do we have an official series here now folks wow oh wow huge great Win by the Hawks last night, winning 111 to 110. Trey Young being clutch. So we had the Jimmy Butler game, game two. We had the Trey Young clutch game, game three. What do we have in store for game four, folks? I'm still waiting on the Bam out of bio game, folks. I'm waiting on the Bam out of bio game where he goes 25 plus points, 15, 17 plus rebounds, you know, six assists, dominating all throughout the game. And we haven't gotten that. And it's a little interesting that we have not got have that we have not gotten the Bam out of bio game three games into the series with no Clint Capella. So Bam out of bio not being that aggressive. Jimmy Butler kind of you know and this is a little interesting as well. Jimmy Butler you know he doesn't like to kind of be the guy you know to force up and take up all the shots for his team. We do know that Jimmy Butler is a little bit of a facilitator, likes to be the leader on the floor and distribute the ball. 
but we're not really getting that by him this season in this series uh, specifically. Once again, that game two just dominating, taking all the shots. Here he is taking 20 shots last night. That's the most in the starting lineup. Only Tyler Hero took more shots than Jimmy Butler, and you know that's what Tyler Hero does. He's the sixth man. He's the shooter off the bench. So you know that's we can understand that. So Jimmy Butler. Being a little bit more aggressive, being a little bit more forceful in his overall offensive decision making this year, where really that's kind of not Jimmy Butler. So and you know that's you know what we heard in the bubble and in some playoff series over the last few years for the Heat. Jimmy Butler always getting on Bam Adebayo, saying, "Hey, be more aggressive, be more aggressive, be more dominant, command the ball. You're big. You're a beef. You're a beef man out there. Go and get it done down low." We hear that by Jimmy Butler, but in this playoff series, it's like, "Hey, no." No, this is the Jimmy Butler show. So just real interesting. It has the heat up 2-1. I'm not saying this is the wrong mistake or wrong decision to do, but it's just interesting that we're getting this kind of complete 180 philosophy by Jimmy Butler this season, and we'll see if it pans out and plays out over the course of the rest of the playoffs and in the series in general. So we'll see how all that plays out, but let's start here with the Hawks first. All right, Trey Young, clutch. Hit the clutch shot. We just saw it for the game winner. 24 points, 8 assists, 4 rebounds, 2 of 6 from the 3. Overall, solid Trey Young gang game. He was a plus 5 on the floor, which was the best out of all the starters because nobody else was in plus territory in the starting lineup. We had Kevin Herter, 13 points, but once again on 1 of 8 from 3. DeAndre Hunter, 17 points on 2 of 6 from 3. So the 3s weren't really kind of falling that great last night overall by the Hawks, and it was a close down-to-the-wire game. So... Moving into game four, I still think we're liking the heat. We bet the heat uh, minus one and a half last night. Unfortunately, that does not uh, cash out. Truly unfortunate. But um, I think we're still liking the heat overall. You know, heat just weren't clutch. Jimmy Butler maybe forced it a little bit there. Three-point shot. That's really not his game and all that. So just unfortunate. Once again, Jimmy Butler trying to be the guy, trying to be the hero this season. So Trey Young, solid game. He hit the clutch, clutch winner, and we definitely needed something with that. Once again, Trey Young, his, um, you know, and it's still early. Like this isn't as like detrimental as we're making it sound to be, but. But Trey Young was kind of really avoiding a black mark on his resume this season. Once again, to play as well as they did last season, getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, and then being the eighth seed this year. I mean, yeah, that's a big time. Or the yeah, the eighth seed this season. It's a big time drop off. And once again, uh, Trey Young. We talked about the black mark on the resume in the playing tournament. He could not not be in the playoffs this season. So he did clear that early black mark on his resume but getting swept first round by the heat that would also left a little bit of a black mark maybe not as deep of a black of not getting into the playoffs but it still would have been a nice little you know pencil dark you know black mark on his career a graphite mark on his overall resume goat career so Trey Young winning a game here, no, not able to get swept this series. I think Trey Young has officially, maybe, maybe we get one more win, at least two wins here. But I think really baseline, Trey Young is not going to have any blemish on his overall career resume for this season. I think he's done just enough to be like, all right, we can chalk it up as just a little bit of a down year, not anything that we have to truly be concerned with moving forward. <clears throat> So, Trey Young saving his reputation this year in clutch situations, big time pressure filled moments, down 2 0 in the series. First game at home, you hit a clutch buzzer, uh, not a buzzer beater, but you hit the clutch game winning shot. Well done. Well done for Trey Young, folks. I'm giving this man credit. 
for saving his overall career this year. Well done. So 24 points, 8 assists for Trey Young. Kevin Herter, 13 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds. DeAndre Hunter, we already said, 2 of 6 from 3, 17 points. And then John Collins still playing or playing the 5 here now because of no Clint Capella. 6 points, 5 rebounds. Once again, John Collins, he's big, but he's not no big out there. So Hawks still desperately need Clint Capella back. There's, I, I still don't think there's any way this Hawks team can win 3 more games here without Clint Capella and then move on to the next round and start winning again. I think they're going to need a big at some point this season. It should be now. You know, Bam Adebayo should be dominating. This is what we're saying. Like, why is Bam Adebayo not just getting it done and being like that 30-point-a-night score of the series? So we'll see if the Heat switch it up and all that. But Hawks, well done for getting the win. Let's shout out the bench real quick. Bogdan Bogdanovich. Four of nine from the three for 18 points, six assists, eight rebounds. Wonderful night. And then DeLon Wright, 13 points, five rebounds. And we also have to shout out Anika Okongwu, nine points, six rebounds in 24 minutes, a plus 19 on the floor. He's helping out in the big position as well. So Hawks, it all came together, but it only resulted in a one-point clutch shot win. So I don't think we should be, you know, moving off of the heat. I think we're still good to start to keep betting the heat in the series. We'll see what the spread is for game number three. Or game number four. I would expect it to still be probably heat minus one and a half, heat minus two. I don't think it's going to change that much, but we'll see when the time comes. All right, and then for the Heat last night, once again, Jimmy Butler kind of taking it over the series, wants to, I don't know whether he wants credit or respect or wants to kind of renew his overall superstar badge. Maybe he's not getting talked about enough in the national media, you know, under the kind of superstar category. I don't know what Jimmy Butler's doing this year, but he's being super aggressive. I don't hate it. I'm not knocking it. The Heat are the number one seed in the East. They are up 2-1 in the series. I'm not saying that this is bad. I'm just saying it's interesting that there. this is what we're getting by Jimmy Butler. You know, taking five threes. We never get this by this man. He's not this three-point guru god that takes five, seven threes a game because he knows he can hit at least three or four of them. No, no, no. This is like, hey, I should take one three a game, maybe two if I'm feeling it, but I'm only going to probably hit max one if I hit one. So, Jimmy Butler, five threes last night, only went one of five, put up 20 points, eight assists, 10 rebounds, unfortunately could not hit that game with winning off balance well defended by John Collins three to win the game unfortunately and why not drop a play for Bam Adebayo you're only down one what are we doing there five seconds 4.4 seconds that's enough time to get the inbound you know do a quick little screen maybe and get Bam Adebayo a decent look at the basket but we're not even getting that. Bam out of bio with really nobody on him. Get this man more involved. There's no reason Bam out of bio should be taking only nine shots in a game. In a game where their starting big is injured. Come on. I don't know who's calling it here. Eric Spolstra or Jimmy Butler. But come on. Let's get Bam out of bio involved more. Are they saving him? Do they know that they can beat this Hawks team without having Bam out of bio? Having a manic game so they can save that in them? Surprise the next round matchup with a Bam out of bio masterclass? Obviously, only the future will tell, but it's just real interesting, folks. I'm waiting for the Bam Auto Bio game to bust out. Hasn't busted out so far. Last night for Adebayo, 13 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals. Overall solid game. 
Didn't result in the win. We had Max Drew still in the starting lineup. Great. 5 of 10 from 3. 20 points. Love it. And once again, I just love Max Drews being so consistent here in the starting lineup. We love it. We love Duncan Robinson coming off the bench. Kyle Lowry, hopefully his injury is nothing bad. He had to exit this game. Hopefully it's not going to you know keep him out for any. The Heat will have to try to overcome potentially no Kyle Lowry in game four. What do they do with the lineup? Do they have Jimmy at the one? Do they put Duncan Robinson back in the starting lineup? Do they put Tyler Hero in the starting lineup? Who's going to run point here? Are they going to put Jimmy at the one? Is he going to continue to be more aggressive as he's the one? Once again, this is going to be a real interesting, uh, real interesting kind of game four out here, depending on who's in and who's out and who's going to be dominant scoring in that game. All right, and then off the bench, Tyler Hero, 24 points, 4 of 11 from the 3, 4 assists, 7 rebounds. Great night once again by Tyler Hero, and that was really it off the bench. Duncan Robinson, 1 of 4 from the 3 for 6 points coming off the bench. Not too bad in 14 minutes. But Jimmy Butler just couldn't be clutch, folks. Truly unfortunate. Hawks make it a series, folks. Hawks win 111 to 110 last night. Alrighty, next game up, and finally, what the, I mean, what was the wait? You you had us waiting around two games? I think, did, did I bet the bet? Uh, yeah, I took the Bucks minus 10 and a half those first two games. I didn't bet the, I didn't bet the Bucks last night. I did not bet the Bucks, uh, did I? Did I bet the Bucks? Who did I bet last night? I bet, um, I can't even remember what I bet last night. I bet the Heat and the uh, the Heat and the Suns, so I didn't hit that last night. Truly unfortunate. But uh, Bucks finally back out on top. Finally back out on top. Only having to swallow two and a half points. Bango, bango, folks. Easy peasy. Bucks absolute dominate like they should have from game one. They win by thirty with no Chris Middleton. This was easy money last night, folks. Bucks winning by a big old 30 burger last night, imposing their will. No Chris Middleton, and they had no problem. Bulls having their best game, game two, taking a huge giant leap back in this game, number three last night. Not even competitive right from the get go. They only put up 81 points. Who was scoring the basketball? We'll get into all that. It's kind of comical, but uh, let's start here with the Bucks since they got the win. So, no Chris Middleton last night, so Bobby Portis goes in to the starting three, which is crazy, folks. But it absolutely worked. Bobby Portis, 18 points, 16 rebounds at the three, folks. This is fantastic. Shot four of eight from the three. How wildly great. We had Giannis, only 18 points, nine assists, seven rebounds. This was not a Giannis dominant game. Everything was just kind of free flowing offensively, and the Bulls just could not buy any type of offense at all last night. So, Bobby Portis getting it done. Giannis getting it done. Then we had Brooke Lopez still playing the five. Nine points, two boards. We had Drew Holiday, 16 points. Six assists, six rebounds off the bench. Grayson Allen, yes, yes. If we can get this by Grayson Allen every game, we don't even have to be as great as this, but a, a, a half of this production, yeah, the Bucks will be fantastic. So, Grayson Allen, 22 points, 6 rebounds, 5 of 7 from the 3 last night, shooting 66% on 12 shots. Amazing. And we don't even need like 20 plus points coming off the bench. 15 plus would suffice. Obviously, the more the merrier. Uh, but what a great night by Grayson Allen. Helping in, filling in. Hey, we need some offense. Chris Middleton's kind of our second, you know, score. 
are our second option. So we need to pick up that level of production, a two level of production. Yeah, yeah. Let me go out there and do that off the bench. Well done by Grayson Allen. Led the team in scoring 22 points. Absolutely fantastic. And we can't also forget Pat Connaughton, 11 points, four rebounds coming off the bench. Now, folks, look at the bigs that they use. Once again, I think the Bucks overreacted at the trade deadline to secure another big. Remember, Brooke Lopez was out at that time. It was Bobby Portis filling in, and Bobby Portis was playing great, and once again, we really didn't think that they needed to get a big. We needed them to keep their guards, and who got all the production off the bench last night with no Chris Middleton? The guards, Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton. There was like their only bench scores last night. Who only got eight minutes off the bench? Serge Ibaka, who they traded for. So once again, if the Bucks do come up a little bit short this season it's going to be because of that kind of over uh, it's going to just be that over compensation that uh, immediate initial fear of hey we need to get another big in here when you really didn't they don't even play Sergi Baca last night you don't have Chris Middleton Bobby Portis in the starting lineup Brooke Lopez in the starting lineup and Sergi Baca still only gets eight minutes kind of crazy right Shout out to the guards for getting it done. Once again, Dante DiVincenzo, the one being traded. We didn't really love it. We still wish they didn't do it. They did it. They don't really kind of use who they got for him. That's all I'm trying to say here. But let's keep going here. So the Bucks getting it done. Everybody getting it done last night. And that for the Bulls, nobody, absolutely nobody got it done last night. DeMar DeRozan only took nine shots. The hell is going on with that? DeMar DeRozan had a great game too. And then reining it into only nine shots. Where's your confidence? We need DeMar DeRozan to put up like 40 points every single game if they want to win. Nine point nine shots last night. Doesn't matter even if they're all threes. You're not reaching 30 points on just nine shots. 40 points on just nine shots. So DeMar DeRozan, 11 points, four assists, five rebounds. Not getting it done. We had Zach Levine, 15 points, five assists, five rebounds, shooting two of four from the three. Uh, once again, it's not enough. This These are their leading scores, folks. 11, 15, and then Vucevic with 19 points. Six rebounds, three assists, shooting three of nine from the three. And then everybody else playing so absolutely abysmal. Patrick Williams, folks. 0 of 9 from the field for one point. 0 of 9 from the field, folks. Trash. Bad. Kobe White letting us down. Off the bench, six points, eight rebounds. I like those rebounding numbers, but one of six from the three. One assist. What are we doing there? Derek Jones Jr. only took two shots for two points. Tristan Thompson, two points, only played 11 minutes for the big out there. So everything was really not good by this Bulls team last night, which is who they are. They're frauds. We know they're frauds. You have a great game, too. You're at home. No Chris Middleton. All the momentum is on your side, and you get blown out by 30 points? Fraudulent behavior. Stop it, folks. I think we can now officially bet, and this may not even be good value, so there may not even be any point in taking this. But uh, I want to see what the value is. So let's go to the series market because Bucks are going to win the series 4-1. There's no way the Bulls can overcome this. It's done. They won their one game. You know, that's kind of their championship game. Hey, we, we didn't get swept by the Bucks. That's their championship, folks. That's what the Bulls bar was this level We uh, this year. We all knew there was no way they were going to win the NBA Finals. Absolutely not. We didn't even think they would win one game. Here they are winning one game. The series 
series is now officially over. The Bucks will win the series 4-1. So, series total. What can we officially bet it on? What's the value here? Bucks, Bulls. Uh, series correct score, 4-1. Bucks, Bulls. Here it is. See, oh, yeah, it's the worst value, folks. Only at plus 110. Darn, darn. Cannot secure any plus 310, plus 250, anything like that. Bucks to win the series 4-1 is at plus 110. Bulls to win the series 4-3 is at plus 1100. Jeez Louise. Bulls to win the series 4-2. Wow, is at plus 1600 if they win the next four straight, next three games straight. All right, so no great value there. We unfortunately missed it, but, you know, even Vegas knows, hey, this series over. We know this. So nobody got it done for the Bulls. The Bucks were able to overcome no Chris Middleton. This series is over. Bucks get the 30-point win last night, winning 111-81. And then the last game of the night here, and this was close. Suns at the Pelicans. Suns with no Devin Booker, but it was Chris Paul in the fourth quarter again. Again, the man shot 7 of 10 from the field, folks, in the fourth quarter alone. Aggressive, dominant, and it pays off because this game was close. Suns only win by 3, 114 to 111 last night no Devin Booker and they still had to you know kind of overcome him you know once again Cameron Johnson filling in for Devin Booker at the two did not play good folks eight points one rebound a minus four on the floor everybody in the starting lineup folks was at least a plus 10 <laughs> Cameron Johnson in the starting lineup as a minus four we knew this this is why we didn't have or no we ended up betting the uh, Pelicans last night I apologize on that but um, Cameron Johnson, this is why we wanted to kind of bet the Pelicans last night because we knew Cameron Johnson is not that guy. He's not going to be consistent. He's not going to be able to kind of feed off of energy on that first game with no Devin Booker and kind of fill in that role. The man shot three of seven from the field, only eight points, a minus four. Cameron Johnson, this is why we're still a little hesitant on still kind of mm, like – going so uh believing so much in the suns winning the finals this season because i don't know if we're gonna be able to get great levels of play from cameron johnson while devin booker is out it took the suns to kind of play almost flawless in the fourth quarter they lost this lead folks the the pelicans had the lead i think in the start of the fourth quarter late third quarter but the pelicans were able to overcome all of that in get a lead late in this game now the great experience by Chris Paul and the Suns were enough to propel them for the win last night over the Pelicans uh, in large part because of Chris Paul 28 points 14 assists going absolutely manic in the fourth quarter well done we had DeAndre in aggressive 28 points 17 rebounds uh, there was a great prop bet last night that uh, you know I ended up cashing in on DeAndre in over 30 and a half only 30 and a half points rebounds plus assists what are you crazy of course that easily cashes the man had 28 points alone almost cashed that single-handedly on just the points department then you had the 17 rebounds going on along with them yeah the man cashed it in like the first half I think it was up to like 26 overall in the first half so that was easy value last night and we knew that we told you hey you know DeAndre Ayton's going to see an increased role here because no Devin Booker DeAndre Ayton took the most shots in the game last night 20 shots Chris Paul took the second most 18 so this game played out kind of exactly how we thought it would play out while Cameron Johnson floundered once again exactly how we saw this game playing out but the Suns end up winning we thought the Pelicans were able we're going to be able to kind of clutch this one out at home they weren't and the Suns win by four or one by three 114 to 111 
So Chris Paul got it done. DeAndre Ayton got it done. Jay Crowder even kind of got it done. 10 points, 4 rebounds. I'll take that. McCall Bridges getting it done as usual. 17 points, 2 assists, 2 rebounds. Off the bench, JaVale McGee, the big 15 points, 3 rebounds. And then Landry Shamit, only five points last night. He didn't step up. Uh, there was a little bit of a rumor that he was going to be in the starting lineup um, instead of Cameron Johnson, but both of them really kind of playing the overall two for the game. None of them played great. And this is what we're saying. Like, the Suns have so much potential off this bench. Cameron Johnson, Cameron Payne, Torrey Craig, Landry Shamit. I mean, there's some great potential pieces here on this squad, but they never step up when they have to, when they need to. And that's probably the most frustrating thing overall on this Suns team. So we'll see if they can continue to win these games with no Devin Booker. It got it got the job done last night, but it took Chris Paul going manic again. Chris Paul's already shown his hand twice in the fourth quarter, going crazy scoring-wise, able to get all the great shots, shooting great percentage to win these games but how long until the Pelicans figure out how to stop Chris Paul because if they find out how to stop Chris Paul there's going to be no other offense here to get it done besides DeAndre Ayton's a big and we know teams don't love to you know utilize their bigs a la you know the heat not utilizing Bam Adebayo offensively so this could potentially still be bad for the Suns moving forward but they did get the win last night 114 to 111. All right, and then for the Pelicans last night, Brandon Ingram had a great night, 34 points, 7 rebounds, shooting 57% on 19 shots, 3 of 6 from the 3, well done. Valanchunas, only 6 points last night on 5 shots, but he had 11 rebounds, playing some good defense again. And CJ McCollum, 30 points, 7 assists, 4 rebounds. So the big 3 all contributing so fantastically last night, unfortunately, gave up. The lead gave up the clutch shots to Chris Paul, and they lose by three. So Pelicans are going to have to find that clutch gene, that closeout gene. Now, they stole a game at home uh, on the road against the Suns. So if they win game four at home, Sears is tied 2-2. You're still in it. So the Pelicans, they're not dead yet, and they still can pull it off, especially you know, still not having Devin Booker back. So don't. Give up. Don't fold in Pelicans. Y'all can still get it done. So let's not kind of write off the Pelicans just quite yet. Herbert Jones helping out a little bit. 12 points in the starting lineup. And then Devontae Graham off the bench. 12 points uh, to help out as well. So just coming up just a little bit short. Allowing Chris Paul to do whatever he wants in the fourth quarter, folks. It's deadly. Got to start locking that man up a little bit. Uh, but uh, once again, Chris got Chris. Chris Paul, point God, love seeing it, truly deserves a ring, and the man is putting on a masterclass almost every single game in the playoffs so far, so gotta respect Chris Paul, he's going manic, he wants that ring bad, you can see it, playing some of the best basketball we've ever seen by him, and uh, it's winning, he's being aggressive, and the Suns win last night, 114-111. to all right, before we start looking at the betting and how we can win money today in the NBA, there are two stories here in the NBA. One's good news, one bad news, folks. Let's start with the bad news first. It's not totally bad news, but potentially not good news. Here it is. 76ers fear Joel Embiid has a torn ligament in his right thumb, but, but he plans to play through the injury. So, Joel Embiid, little banged up here, not good, but he's still able to go and I believe he hit that buzzer beater in game three with that bad thumb I think the injury happened and then he hit the clutch buzzer beater to win the game from three absolutely crazy to go up three nothing in the series so 
Joel Embiid still wanting to play, even though he potentially has a torn ligament in his right thumb, but the Sixers are up 3-0 in the series. So if Joel Embiid can kind of push past the pain to play today, win the game, then has a little bit of a break waiting for, you know, the the winner, for, uh, you know, for their next matchup to win their series. So Joel Embiid maybe just wanting to kind of power through today, seeming like he's going to play, win the game, and then, you know, rehab it, do whatever you need to do to try to, you know, get it so it's going to be fine for the, rest of the, uh, for the rest of the tournament. Because the 76ers need Joel Embiid. I mean, they need him. Don't Joel Embiid in this team. They're not winning. They're not winning. Absolutely not. Now, we know they would still have some solid players. James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris. But you don't have a big. And you don't have any depth. So, you're not, you're, you're not winning a ring. I think it's plain and simple. You're not winning a ring without your big man. Without y'all's MVP winner. Y'all like Joel Embiid as the MVP. I, you know, can agree. It's real close, folks. Joel Embiid, Joe Kick. Now, uh, the end of the season really made it close. I will give you all that. Um, but it is close. I, w- I will say it is close. I think I could be persuaded either way on any given day. But uh, overall, I mean, MVP level of guy right here, you're not winning the ring with no Joel Embiid. He is the heart. He is the lifeblood. He is the 76ers, folks. So, potentially not good news for the 76ers team and for Joel Embiid, but he's going to give it all he's got until he can't give it no more, folks. So, expect that man to be out on the floor. But then we get the good news, folks. Yes. 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 Uh, Robert Williams, folks. Boston Celtics center Robin Williams plans to return for game three, folks. And get this. Robert Williams is returning before Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is waiting till game four. Robert Williams is like, no, I'm here now. What's good? I'm good to go now. So the greatest news that we've ever gotten, Robert Williams is back. And now since Robert Williams is back, folks, let's go. Go and bet $10,000 on the Celtics to win the entire thing, folks. I want the entire championship to go to the Celtics. Now we get it at plus 450 odds. They are the third highest favorites here. Warriors at number one. Look at that. Wow. How crazy is that? And it's really not even that crazy, folks. Didn't we just kind of say that uh, yesterday on the show? Hey, watch out for the Warriors. Obviously, you know, the splash triplets going crazy with the great defense of Draymond Green, but then just the injuries to all these other teams. No Devin Booker for the Suns. Joel Embiid, now that torn potential thumb ligament. No Chris Middleton. And now the Warriors are the current favorites to win it all. Wow, 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 wow. At plus 300 odds. Wow, that's... um. That's enticing. I will say that at the minimum. Putting $10,000 on the Warriors to win it all is truly enticing. But let's get back to the Celtics here. Plus 450. $10,000 on that pays out. 55 grand. Sheesh, folks. I'm loving that number. Absolutely. So, Robert Williams coming back for the Celtics tonight, folks. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. So, all right, now we can move on to betting tonight, shall we? Those were the only two stories I wanted to touch upon. Joel Embiid a little banged up, but Robert Williams back on track, baby. And that's so great because we don't have to endure Daniel Dice anymore, at least in the starting lineup. He'll still get burned off the bench, but Robert Williams back in the starting lineup. Oh, my. Ooh, folks. Ooh, it's so great. 
But here we go. Let's start breaking down and start betting on the games tonight, folks. Four games on a beautiful Saturday in the NBA. Sheesh. Great playoff basketball today. So let's see what we've got on tap for the slate of games today. And if, where's that value? Where's that value going to kind of peek its head out? And, folks, I'm looking forward to the Celtics game because we may be getting points. We may get Robert Williams back, Celtics up 2 nothing, and we get points. Points with the Celtics. Oh my goodness, folks. Is it Christmas already? Damn, damn. Here we go. But let's wait. Let's not spoil anything. Let's get to the first game of the day. Tipping off at 2 o'clock. 76ers at the Raptors. Game 4. 76ers up 3-0. Raptors backs against the wall. Nick Nurse must win here. Nick Nurse a little bit of his, you know, coaching uh, goat resume is a little bit on the line. I mean, everybody was giving the Raptors a huge chance to win this series. To win this series. And we even said, I think we said this game goes seven. This series goes seven. We had the 76ers winning in seven, but I think we predicted this one goes seven. And a lot of y'all predicted it going seven as well. And a lot of y'all predicted the Raptors upset upset the 76ers, but here we are, the 76ers up 3-0, Nick Nurse has just not been able to identify the key defensive scheme needed to stop the great offensive firepower that the 76ers have, you know, James Harden, Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, it can get out of control, and the Raptors don't have that kind of just pure shooting firepower to keep up with that, and we've seen it so far these first three games, 76ers not really having any struggles really for the most part up three nothing now so huge game here by the Raptors Nick Nurse now he's kind of you know coaching a little bit for his life here obviously he's still a great coach but overall on your you know coaching resume you know when we look back and be like hey what happened here in 2022 couldn't even win a game couldn't even get a game here Ooh, not great so, let's see who's all in and out here. 76ers minus 2.5, Raptors plus 2.5. For the 76ers, Matisse Dybul is out. Once again, remember, he cannot play in Canada, but the 76ers have prepared for that. That's why Danny Green's been in the starting lineup since game one on this series. So, this out does not change anything. For the Raptors, Scotty Barnes is a game-time decision, and they're going to need him back, folks. Once again, any, any of these players from the 76ers or the Raptors, if they're out, we can't bet them, folks. So here we go. Five minutes ago by NBA Fantasy Labs. He's now considered a game time decision. This was just upgraded 19 minutes ago. And then just five minutes ago, he's questionable. Wow, wow. So 19 minutes ago, game time decision. Five minutes ago, questionable. Which one, which words do we put more stake into? What's better, game time decision or questionable? Questionable seems like, hey, maybe not. Game time decision seems a little bit more fair that he will play. So, I would assume Scotty Barnes will make it out there on the floor tonight. Joel Embiid a little banged up. How much do the Raptors kind of go out and use that information to their advantage? I can't see the Raptors getting swept here, folks, with Joel Embiid having this bad torn ligament, with Nick Nurse having so much pride in being such a great coach that he is here. I love the 76ers, but I think they're going to have to wait till Game 5 back in Philadelphia to wrap up this series. Scotty Barnes back. Urgency at an all-time high here in Toronto. I'm taking the Raptors plus 2.5 here tonight, folks. I still love the 76ers overall. 
Uh, if Joel Embiid was 100% good, I would st- I would bet the 76ers, but him being a little hobbled, urgency, piling on top of that, I'm going to take the Raptors here, folks, to win a game. Come on, Nick Nurse. Go out and, you know, go down with a fight. I don't want to see you get swept. Absolutely not. All right, here we go. Next game up, we got the Mavs. <laughs> We're still getting points with this team. We're still getting points. Come on, Vegas. Vegas, come on. Do we have to have a real talk right here, a one-on-one? We can't keep doing this. Maverick still getting points now. I will give Vegas credits. Not as much points as they've gotten before. I think it was plus seven and a half on game three. Here we are at game four. And now it's still Mavericks plus five and a half. Yeah. Yeah. What have the Jazz shown us that we have to bet them? That we have to swallow five and a half points? Where is that, folks? Where is that footage? Where is that data? Because we have not seen it all year long. We have not seen it in the playoffs. And here Vegas is still sticking to their guns a little bit. This should be Mavericks minus five and a half. This should be Jazz plus five and a half. They can't close out a game to save their life. Lives. Rudy Gobert cannot guard the perimeter to literally save his life. You put his life on the line. Hey, Rudy, I'm going to shoot you. If you don't guard this three, Rudy Gobert would be like, uh, he wouldn't even try to defend because he know he couldn't. He would just be pleading with you, be like, no, please don't do that. You know I can't do that, so why are you setting me up for failure? Please don't kill me. No, no. Rudy Gobert is going to get torched again today, folks. Again. Like he's gotten torched five straight years. Uh, We've seen it, folks. This is the same story. Mavericks plus five and a half. I don't give a darn. I don't give a damn who's in and who's not in for this Mavericks team, folks. I do not care. I'm taking the points. But, but, for Shits and giggles, folks. Let's see who's in and out here. For the Mavericks, Tim Hardaway is out, and Luka Doncic is a game-time decision, but the way that the Mavericks have been playing, I'm not playing Luka Doncic, even if he is going to go. No, get more rest. Get more rest. There's no urgency here. Where's the urgency for the Mavericks? They lose here? Who cares? It's now 2-2 back in Dallas. Okay, then you make Doncic play game five. You don't make Doncic play tonight, folks. There's no reason to. I'm taking the Mavericks plus five and a half. I don't care who's in and out for the Jazz. Everybody's going to go for the Jazz. Who cares? They need more players. They have to go out and sign more players right now. They're not doing Doing that Mavericks plus five and a half points the Jazz can't be clutch the Jazz don't have the shooters to keep up with the Mavericks and the Mavericks have all the momentum they're playing with house money they can literally set all of their starters and just try to win with the bench because who cares they're up 2-1 all the pressures on the Jazz and when the Jazz have pressure they're not diamonds folks okay you know what pressure does to call makes them into diamonds yeah the Jazz are not coal no, no, no. Pressure alongside Play-Doh. What does that get you? I think pressure just in like evaporates. I think Play-Doh, you keep pressuring, pressuring, pressuring Play-Doh. I think it just disappears. <laughs> I think it just disappears, folks. This Jazz team is Play-Doh. Getting pressured makes them disappear. We don't need to talk about them. Hey, what, what was that? Oh, I, didn't, I didn't even know where that went. <laughs> the Jazz, yeah, I don't even know where they went. <laughs> They're a lot. Who cares? Who cares? The Jazz? Yeah, I forgot they were even an NBA team. <laughs> they were in the playoffs? They were in the playoffs? Really? Damn. I don't even remember that. Rudy Gobert, who's that? And name doesn't. It kind of rings a bell. Rudy 
Gobert? Is that what you said? Rudolph Gobert? Is that no, no? Rudy Gobert? You sure that's his name? Rudy? Rudy? That's the man. He he's been Defensive Player of the Year like five times already. What? Finalist for like every single year is in the league. You're, this is a real player you're telling me about. Rudy Gobert? That's a real name? A real player in the NBA? I, I really couldn't even remember, honestly. So, yes, give me the Mavericks plus five and a half. What are we not? Are we not passing this up, passing this great value up tonight, folks? Can't. Absolutely cannot. Mavericks plus five and a half. Yes, sir. Absolutely give me those points. Give me those points. Alrighty here, folks. The game, the game, the game, the game that y'all know that we're talking about here. Us versus y'all. Game three. Yes, folks. Us up to nothing on y'all. Y'all scary nuts versus our terrifying Celtics now with Robert Williams. Yes. You see, you know, when, when the Celtics... When people talk about the future of the Celtics or just kind of, you know, you know, Robert Williams, hey, he's going to be back soon. He's going to be back soon. Hey, you know, actually, we didn't even get that. We, we didn't, I didn't hear a peep on when Robert Williams was going to return. I saw it last night. I was like, whoa, what a great news. Thank you. How great news just falling right into my lap. I didn't even know. Wow, Robert Williams back for game three. Ben Simmons, what do we hear about him? Hey, he's coming back. He's coming back. He's getting ready. He's getting ready, and then, you know, when that date comes around, oh, 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 needs a little bit more work in the lab. A little bit more work in the lab. But, hey, game four, game four, when we may already be down 3 nothing, we may get him back then, and it's going to turn the whole series around. It's going to flip the entire NBA playoffs on its head. When, if, maybe, potentially, when Ben Simmons gets back, maybe, potentially, possibly, for game four, maybe, for only, potentially, coming off the bench for maybe, potentially, only 10 to 15 minutes, maybe, potentially, in the game. Robert Williams, hey, I'm back. Hey, I'm here. Hey, y'all miss me? I I'm gonna go. Y'all, y'all left me in, y'all left me in Boston. I, I told you I was gonna go. I had to run here. Y'all left me there. I told you I thought it was gonna be good to go. Ben Simmons, hey, I may be there. Yeah, yeah, mark me down. Yeah, mark me down for maybe game four. A little bit later in the, yeah, game four. Yeah, maybe, yeah, a little bit more towards game five. But, man, maybe, sure, game four. Yeah, call it game four. Get, get the buzz around the team. We need a little buzz. We need a little juice here for the Nats. Yeah, they're down 0-2. They need something. It's not Kevin Rand that's going to provide the spark here. We've seen him perform over the last two games, yes. The scary Kevin Rand performing not so scary. Ma, ma. So... Celtics at the Nets and Celtics on the road, folks. Are we getting points here, folks? Vegas, Vegas, are y'all acting crazy giving the Celtics points? Celtics at home, only like minus three and a half, minus one and a half. Now on the road, probably getting points. Are y'all going to go crazy and give us points with the Celtics, folks? Can Vegas be that insane? Can they be that insane, folks, that they give us points with the Celtics? Let's find out. Here we go. Celtics at the Nets. Celtics plus three. Celtics plus three. What are you crazy, Vegas? What are you doing? What are you, Vegas? Come on. Come on. Come on, Vegas. Come on. Celtics plus points. Robert Williams back. And you're giving us points. Our folks. Folks, the brainwashing, folks. Sometimes you just don't come back from the brainwashing. That's what makes brainwashing good and why everybody wants to brainwash everybody because it works. Vegas is brainwashed by 
the Nets, folks. Truly brainwashed by the Nets. We're giving the Celtics plus three points after they've proven to just lock your ass up defensively every single play through full four quarters, four full quarters over two straight games. You think defense is just going to disappear on the road? No, 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 folks. Defense travels very, very well. It's the three ball that doesn't really travel well. But for the Celtics, they don't live and die by the three. They live and die by the defense that travels so well. And once again, do we need to reiterate, Robert Williams is back. And we're and we're getting three, folks. What are we doing? What are we doing? Can we all just sit down for a second and just take a deep breath in and be like, what the hell are we doing? Like, for real? Nats, Vegas, brainwashers alike out there. Just sit down and be like, what the hell are we doing? Giving the Celtics plus three points? <laughs> it's laughable. And I thank you, Vegas, because I am going to be cashing in, folks. Cashing in, absolutely. Y'all may not see me ever again. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what do you do for a living? Oh, I hit the Celtics plus three. <laughs> what? Yeah, I, I hit the Celtics ba uh, plus three back uh, back in 2020 when everybody was brainwashed on the Nets. <laughs> yeah, y'all remember those times? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I do for a living. That that afforded you this great giant yacht that that we're, that we're all on, having a great party on. Yeah, you know this uh, the Celtics plus three paid for it. I, I don't know. Vegas was brainwashed. I don't know what they were doing. I bankrupted Vegas. I don't know what you want from me. They were brainwashed. I came with my money and I I bankrupted them. Easy peasy. Celtics plus three. That's all I had to say. Celtics plus three. I hand them the check. They're like, <laughs> okay, okay. And then fools on them, it wins. And I walk out with all the money from Vegas. Easy. Easy peasy, Celtics plus three. Um, I mean, folks, I, I mean, I don't know what more you want from me, folks. How long have we been saying this whole Nets brainwashing thing, folks? It's been like two months. It's been two months. Yeah. Hey, this is not something that we just said willy-nilly yesterday, willy-nilly a couple of days ago. No, no, no. We've been tracking it. We've been saying what y'all have been saying. Everybody's slowly starting to walk back the Nets. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe the Nets can't get it done. Oh, if Kyrie Irving and Kevin Ryan are playing like this, no. Well, we never believed in the Nets if they didn't play like that. Oh, okay, that's what that's what it is now. If they don't play at their superstar level every single game, that's why they're not scary. Okay, everybody wants to walk it back. Okay, okay. But watch. If the Nets win, which they won't, but if they somehow win, by a miracle. You know, everybody's going to be right back on the Nets. Be like, oh, I told y'all, you know, no doubt. We love the Nets. So watch out for that, folks. Y'all know how that's going to play out. But it doesn't matter. It's not going to play out that way. Everybody's going to be walking it back more, folks. But here we'll be being like, eh, man, we told you. And we're not going to be letting y'all back in here into the Celtics crowd so easy, all right? Y'all are going to have to stay the Nets. Y'all are going to have to be branded with the Nets. I'm going to have to put a Nets logo on y'all because y'all wanted to, you know, love the Nets all year. So that's yeah, that's fine. But when you come crawling back to the Celtics, we are going to have to identify, you know, who which one was where and, you know, who was on the Celtics and who was on the Nets. So you'll have to get branded, but we would accept you over here to the Celtics. You would just be branded with the Nets logo and, you know, you would be kind of noted as, you know, Nets homers for the rest of the year. So that's on y'all, but you chose to do that. Don't come at me. That's just the rules. <coughs> but here we go. We're already taking the Celtics plus three. It's no debate, but let's just check the ins and outs quickly. For the... Who's going to load up first? For the Celtics here, we get Robert Williams, game time decision. I'm sure he's good to go, though. And then for the Nets, Ben Simmons, he's not good to go. We know that. So everybody's good to go here for both these teams. Usual suspects out for the Nets. 
But Celtics plus three, it's great value. Give me the points. The defense will travel. Jason Tatum will get it done. Robert Williams now in the starting lineup. The Nets will have no answer. And Daniel Tice not on the floor. No, no more liability. No longer liability. So <clears throat> these closer games that the Celtics have kind of been winning these last two games, they're not going to be this close anymore because Daniel Tice was making them close. Yes, Daniel Tice is not good. Get that man off the floor. He's now officially off the floor. Celtics plus three, folks. It's fantastic value. It's fantastic value, folks. Give me the Celtics plus the three. All right, last game of the night here. Grizzlies at the Timberwolves. Uh, what do we got in this series? Grizzlies up 2-1. Yes, yes, yes. Grizzlies up 2-1. Grizzlies minus three. Timberwolves plus three. Timberwolves last chance to win here at home. Tie up the series 2-2 and feel good heading back into Memphis for the Grizzlies. We get Dylan Brooks, a game-time decision. He's big. They need him out there. He was a huge force in game number three. And then we get Killian Tilly is out. And then for the Timberwolves, everybody is good to go. So... Grizzlies, minus three. Timberwolves, plus three. Some of these games have, uh, you know, game one, the Timberwolves were able to win. They've been looking okay. But then blowing leads like that, that's never a good sign. You know, being relative to the Jazz is never a good sign here. And the Timberwolves blowing two separate 20-point leads. It's a little inexcusable at this point to bet them plus to three. The Grizzlies... <clears throat> They are now officially established in the playoffs. This was a young team, a young, inexperienced team heading into this playoff. So, you know, losing game one, we can understand why that happened. But they won game two. They came back down in game three twice. They are good to go. They've got their feet Firmly planted in the playoffs. They're like, okay, this is the playoffs now. They got three games under their belt. Wildness. And literally all those games. Game one, is, it was wild because they lost. Game two was wild because they were dominant. And game three was wild because they came back twice down 20. So they found every way to win. They know how to win. They know how to win with the lead. They know how to come back and win. They know how to not to lose anymore. They've proven that. You know, lose game one, win the next two. So the Grizzlies, they are established. They know it. They're a great team with and without John Morant. They know how to get it done. Steven Adams is real interesting. I'm real interested to see what the Grizzlies do with Steven Adams. A little bit of a liability in game... Uh, in game number one, a little, little, little bit of a liability in game number one. Game number two, you know, he didn't play that much, and they won. Carl Anthony Towns was, Towns was struggling. They didn't play him at all game three. Coach's decision, and once again, they didn't get out to that hot start. Um, they had to overcome some deficits. So here we go in game four. What do they do with Steven Adams? We'll see what the Grizzlies decide to do. Play him at all, put him in the starting lineup, have him come off the bench. I would assume he comes off the bench. But we'll see what that kind of, um, with this new rotation and what the new kind of strategy and scheme is for this Grizzlies team having a nice three-game sample size with the Timberwolves having some success, some success a little bit in every portion of these three games. So what have the Grizzlies learned? What do they know about Steven Adams and how to shut down Carl Anthony Towns? Carl Anthony Towns, a lot of pressure on him. Everybody's calling him out in the national media. We even called him out as well, taking four shots. I mean, that's inexcusable. You're a big three out here. You're kind of number one or number two. Um, so you have to do number one and number two things. So, Carl Anthony Towns, big pressure on him, big pressure on everybody on this Timberwolves team because you cannot go down 3-1 uh, uh, heading back into Memphis. 
So I'm going to swallow three here with the Grizzlies. Um, once again, I mean, the Timberwolves can't be trusted at this current moment, and the Grizzlies have so much momentum, and we know what this team can do with momentum, folks. It can get ugly real quick. So we're taking the Grizzlies minus three tonight. Alrighty, folks, so this is what we've got tonight in the NBA, today in the NBA, tonight in the NBA, because it's on all day long, baby. We're tipping off in about an hour and five minutes, so cannot wait. But here we go. We're taking the Raptors plus two and a half, the Mavericks plus five and a half, the Celtics plus three, and the Grizzlies minus three tonight. Feeling good, feeling good. Celtics cannot wait. Y'all know we can't wait for that game. Alrighty, folks, that is all the NBA for today. Watch, I'm begging you, it's at 7.30 today. ESPN or TNT, what do we got? ESPN or TNT for, oh my goodness, the greatest game of all time. Celtics, Nets, 7.30, ESPN, folks. Yes, 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 cannot wait. Alrighty, that is all the NBA we had to go over for today. So now let's shift gears to the NFL where we got some stories to break down and we'll see if we can get to Kenny Pickett. So hopefully we have enough time to do all of that on the show. We, we may. The clock is ticking. There potentially is time. So we'll see how we go. But here we go. Let's start breaking down some stories here. And this is a real interesting story I cannot wait to talk about here because we get this. Andrew Barry says the Browns were, quote, were transparent with our intentions with Baker Mayfield's reps prior to Deshaun Watson trade. So now we're hearing from the Browns. We've only really heard from Baker Mayfield um, on this subject at this point. Baker Mayfield feeling disrespected. We've heard the Browns come out publicly and say, hey, we, we need a little bit of a grown up in the room. <clears throat> And then we've had Baker Mayfield kind of say, hey, you know, I kind of caught him off guard, came out of nowhere. He feels disrespected. He feels slighted. So now let's see what the communication was like. Was Baker Mayfield, you know, truly told? Was he blindsided? Does he have a right to still feel disrespected? So let's see what Andrew Barry of the Browns has to say about this whole Baker Mayfield thing. And once again, you know, it just sucks. It's unfortunate, but the Browns at the end of the day made the right decision. You don't pass up guaranteed proven generational talent for a question mark currently after four years. So, um, it's just an unfortunate situation, exactly what Kevin Stefanski says, a unique situation, an unfortunate situation. But now let's hear from the Browns on what they have to say about Baker Mayfield. Now, once again, we did have a little bit of an issue with the Browns with kind of putting Baker Mayfield on blast saying, yay, we need a little bit of an adult in the room. We don't need this child anymore. And that was a little, I, I think that was... Uh, I guess not truly crossing a line, but we know that those words are truly going to haunt Baker Mayfield for the rest of his career. And I don't think that was the most fairest thing by the Browns to do, given that Baker Mayfield still has a lot of time potentially to play in the NFL. But let's see what they are saying now. So here we go. Let's start reading some lead up here. So here we go, the first one. The Baker Mayfield saga will persist until the Browns trade him. And since they have it, general manager Andrew Barry was the latest to field questions regarding the lame duck quarterback. And that's a little uh, that's a little extreme as well. Nick Shook, I mean, that's a little bit of an unnecessary dig right there. Lame duck quarterback. Damn, damn, damn. <clears throat> Everybody's getting digs on, on uh, Baker Mayfield. Here we go. Continuing on, Barry was asked on Friday about recent comments made by Mayfield in which he indicated he felt disrespected by the Browns and how they handled their pursuit of the eventual acquisition of quarterback Deshaun Watson. Unsurprisingly, Barry didn't take the bait, saying, quote, 
We were transparent with our intentions with his reps. That being said, I think we can all understand how Baker feels. Sometimes things in the NFL, whether it's team-related, coach-related, player-related, they may not work out. Baker is a competitive and driven young man who has had success as a quarterback and will continue to have success as a quarterback. So I definitely understand it. Wow. What a quote here, folks. What a quote here. Him basically just saying, yeah, it's it's an unfortunate situation. And that's all it is, folks. Like, we all have to kind of be all right with things just being unfortunate. I mean, that's life. Things are unfortunate. Right from your boring, right, right from your born, folks, that's a lottery. It's unfortunate. Are you born into greatness? Are you born into money? Or are you born into poverty? Are you born into nothing? It's unfortunate. You have no control over that. It's just unfortunate. Where did your conscience go? Uh, where did your consciousness go? Where did your consciousness, uh, consciousness latch onto? Greatness? Money? Wealth? Generational wealth? Are you set up for life? That's fortunate. Yeah, that's just a fortunate luck of the draw. Or is it just unfortunate? Hey, you didn't get the best dra- uh, life draft lottery. You know, maybe, you know, poor parents, homeless maybe even, no parents, you know, maybe don't even got that. It's an unfortunate. It's just unfortunate. And this is what the NFL is. Hey, Baker, it's just an unfortunate time. We got an opportunity to get Deshaun Watson. And we'd be stupid not to take that opportunity to go out and get Deshaun Watson. We're sorry, Baker Mayfield. This is just the wrong time. You were just you just came into the NFL at the wrong time. You came into the wrong team at the wrong time. It's unfortunate, and you know we can't really feel we we don't want to we we don't want to say we're sorry because you know when you say sorry you kind of you know accept responsibility a little bit and people don't like to do that. <laughs> uh, that's why they're not saying sorry right here and just kind of saying hey it's a unique situation it's unfortunate all that. Hey, you know, Baker Mayfield, we would say we're sorry, but we're kind of not because look at the quarterback we got. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah, sorry you're gone, right? You know, sorry for you that you're not going to win a ring with this Browns team, but hey, don't feel sorry for us over here. We got the best quarterback maybe in the league. So he puts it perfectly right there. It's just, hey, things played out like this. We had an opportunity. We went out to get it. But what also did he do in this quote right here? A little bit of the walk back of the childish comments a little bit saying, Baker is a competitive and driven young man. That's definitely great. I mean, that definitely kind of, you know, cools over, hey, the immature, the adult, all that, those digs. But saying Baker is a competitive and driven young man who has had success as a quarterback, okay, I guess. It's very, very small, brief success. We'll give him that, but success nonetheless. He's had success and will continue to have success as a quarterback. So, hey, giving Baker Mayfield some credit here when he desperately needed some credit, I can respect this move a little bit by Andrew Barry. Yeah, I can get a little bit on that. All right, what else do we get? Here we go. Another quote. We get one more. We get one more. Here we go. Lead up to the second quote. Let's take it here. Cleveland, however, is looking forward with Barry declining to divulge any details related to a potential trade involving Mayfield and instead turning toward who the Browns plan to have on the roster at that position in 2022. That includes three new quarterbacks, Watson, veteran quarterback, backup Jacoby Brissett, and Josh Dobbs. All three were in the building this week for off-season workouts. Look at that. Look at that. All three quarterbacks for voluntary workouts. Deshaun Watson there for voluntary workouts. Come on, Kyler. Yes, get your ass there. Um, so, 
Um, all three were in the building. Barry explained Cleveland's logic in acquiring Brissett, who would be in line to start if Watson is suspended by the NFL for any length of time. Watson is currently facing 22 civil lawsuits alleging sexual assault and misconduct. The NFL began investigating those allegations in March of 2021, saying, quote, backup quarterback for us will always be a priority just because the way that performance at that position goes. Oftentimes, it defines your season. Just like you want, I mean, it truly defined the Ravens season. I mean, Tyler Huntley was a good quarterback, did not have the clutch gene, and lost the last seven games, and they don't make the playoffs. I mean, that's unfortunate right there. You do have to have a solid, winnable, capable backup quarterback. Back to the quote says, quote, just like you want to be insulated, whether it's through injury or lack of availability at other positions, it really is the same thing at quarterback. Jacoby is an individual who is very talented. He's seasoned. He's played in a number of different offenses and has been called into action in several situations, in several unique situations, and has performed well. He was a guy that we were excited about going into the spring, and we were fortunate enough to be able to acquire him. So, yeah. Yeah, Jacoby Brissett has been shopped around as kind of a really good backup quarterback. I really don't see that. He is a backup quarterback. That I do see. But him being thrown out on the field when he has to be called next man up wise, I don't love it. I never loved Jacoby Brissett. I would rather take any other backup quarterback over Jacoby Brissett, honestly. He does seem like a good leader for a backup position, so I do give him credit for that. But just the overall talent that I need at that backup level, I don't know if he's really it. I think I would go in another direction. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, if we're counting him as a backup, I go, I take him. Uh, you know, Marcus Mariota, great backup. I take Marcus Mariota over Jacoby Brissett. Um, I would take a lot of backup quarterbacks over Jacoby Brissett. But you don't really need it. You really hope you don't need it. And you got Deshaun Watson. So, you know, backup, a backup. You get a backup. So. Browns got the backup. Browns, you know, hey, you know, it's just unfortunate with Baker Mayfield. So kind of really liked that quote a lot by Andrew Barry there. Cleaned up a little bit. You know, the the overall initial mark, the initial optics on that initial first quote saying, hey, we need a little bit of a grown-up at that quarterback spot. That's always going to be there on Baker Mayfield, unfortunately. But here, this quote right here, <clears throat> that probably won't get any play. Nobody will talk about this quote of, you know, Andrew Barry saying, hey, Baker Mayfield, you know, great quarterback, all that. No, no, no. That won't get any play in the national media. But it, this does smooth it over a tad, a tad. So Andrew Barry, pretty solidly well done there with those quotes. All righty. So Browns, hey, you know, we're not apologizing. It's unfortunate. We got Deshaun Watson. You can't blame us. So that's their position, and I think that's the right position. It's just an unfortunate situation, a unique situation. All right, let's uh, keep going here. We're hearing from Broncos general manager George Patton. And, you know, this is exactly it, folks. Everybody needs to kind of stop uh, loving draft picks. Let's rein in the draft picks a little bit. I know it's exciting. The NFL loves to sell the draft picks because it's selling the future. It's selling hope for all the bad teams, uh, fan bases that have been in love with bad teams for their entire life. This gives them a little bit of hope. Hey, we got one of the best quarterbacks in the draft. Hey, you saw that defense event we got yeah we're coming for Rodgers we're coming for Brady we're coming for all of them our defense is going to get it done the draft is for hope folks and I get that 
But let's also remember that the draft picks are kind of trash for the most part. Most of the picks are trash. Most of the picks are bust. Now, obviously, some pan out. Yes, obviously. They have to. We have to fill the game with new great players. You're going to be able to hit in the draft. It's not an exact science. Is there great picks in the first round? Yes. Are there great picks in the second round? Yes. Are there great picks in the fourth round? Yes. You just need to be able to evaluate, engage talent and all that. But if you don't have any draft picks in the first round, that's really not anything to complain about if, you know, you use that to get other pieces. So here we go. Broncos general manager says, quote, I think we're in a really good spot even without first round draft pick. And the Dolphins, another team that don't have any first round draft picks, but they got Tyreek Hill, who is a first round draft pick. He's more than a first round draft pick. He's multiple first round draft pick because he is proven talent. That's why I would always trade all of my first round draft picks for proven talent. Obviously, always exceptions to the rule and all that. But, you know, general rule, hey, you want my first round draft pick? Yeah, uh, let me, what do you got? Yeah, I'll take that guaranteed thousand yard receiver. Because if I'm going to draft a receiver in the draft, it's a crapshoot. Why don't I just give up that pick to get guaranteed proven wide receiver talent? So give me the picks. So the Broncos here, having Russell Wilson, they don't need a first round pick. Folks, you've got Russell Wilson. You're good. You're set. So, you know, everybody making a big deal. Well, your team doesn't have any draft picks. How is that going to pan out? Who cares? We had Tyreek Hill. There would be no receiver in this year's draft that would be able to give us what Tyreek Tyreek Hill is giving us year one, maybe two, three years down the line if they truly panned out, but year one immediately impactful impact. Yeah. Why do we need these draft picks? So don't blow no draft picks out of proportion. The Broncos will be fine. The Dolphins, they will be fine, folks. Stop falling in love with draft picks. And we're hearing some of these teams wanting to trade out of the draft so far. I think we've heard a little bit of buzz from the Panthers. I don't really uh, buy that, but I think we have heard some buzz there. Um, I think the Lions have kind of expressed some buzz of, hey, you know, we could trade out here. We're not kind of sold out here. So, you know, some teams this year are truly planning to trade out of the top 10 because we know this isn't you know the best or deepest draft class at really any position so people are trading out folks this isn't really the year so this may be the year to get rid of all of your draft picks and maybe build for next year or something like that so shout out to the Broncos for doing that the Dolphins did it I don't really think there's any cause for concerns and I think the Broncos and the Dolphins will be some of the best teams in the NFL next season so, George Patton, general manager for the Broncos, not tripping, no draft picks, who cares? No first-round draft picks, okay. We can still find talent other ways, other places, no worries. We got Russell Wilson, we're good, we don't need the first-rounder. Alrighty, let's keep going here, and we had a little bit of a riddle, riddle last night. Did everybody catch the riddle last night, folks? Were we all glued to our phones with this tweeted-out riddle by Riddler Rogers, folks? Here's the riddle. Three crying, laughing emoji faces, and then the pound sign. Now, this may not be a riddle because Aaron Rodgers is a fan of the Bucs. Um, he may be a minority owner in the Bucs. Don't quote me on that, but he may have some sort of ownership in the Bucs. And he always goes kind of courtside to the playoff games and all that.
So, Bucks played last night. They dominated the Bulls and all that. So, this is probably where the riddle is coming from. But at the end of the day, it's Riddler Rogers. We don't really know for sure. So, let's keep this in mind. Three crying, laughing emoji faces followed by the pound key. Let's keep that in the back of our mind. So, if anything kind of catches our mind, catches our attention in the sports world, we can rerun it through this riddle to see like, hey, was this what he was talking about? Or was he talking about the Bulls? Um, if he is talking about the Bulls, I really don't understand how how it translates. I've been trying to, you know, because by the time he tweeted this in the end of the Bulls game, it kind of lined up. So I'm assuming this is about the Bulls or the Bulls-Bucks game, I should say. But I just don't understand why. Crying face, crying face, crying face, pound key, hashtag? I don't, I don't get what this is trying to signify. The Bucks aren't up like 3-1 in the series or anything like this. It was game three, but they're only up 2-1. So I just don't really get what Aaron Rodgers was trying to say here. Crying a laughing emoji face three times pound key. I don't get what that has to do with the Bucks. So once again, this is why we, you know, he's the Riddler, first and foremost. Riddler. This is this is like definition of Riddler right here, folks. You know, you could have did like hashtag Bucks or, you know, go Bucks or hashtag fear the deer or hashtag Giannis or hashtag back-to-back champs or something like that to, you know, let us all know, hey, this is a cryptic message because he likes to send out cryptic messages, folks. Hey, this is a cryptic message, but it's about the Bucks, so don't spend too much time in, you know, looking into this. But what does Riddler Rogers love? The attention, everybody guessing what this means. So, of course, Aaron Rodgers would not claim verify on this riddle of course not but just once again classic Riddler Rogers folks once again another another piece of evidence in the Riddler Rogers case file we've got evidence of him being a turtle we've got evidence of him being the Riddler folks we know what Aaron Rodgers is will y'all stop fighting me on the Aaron Rodgers things folks and I know it's tough and I know it's hard because y'all love Aaron Rodgers I truly get it folks I get where you're coming from on Aaron Rodgers trust me folks I truly get it but let's let's you know don't fight me on this we all know deep down y'all know this is Aaron Rodgers but y'all need to save face with Aaron Rodgers in the greatest of all time arguments so you can't really acknowledge and you know kind of submit that this is truly who he is so I get it from your perspective but just don't fight me on it anymore folks all right all right yes the man's the Riddler the man is just the Riddler he loves the Riddler he loves the games he's not a leader he's won one Super Bowl these are all facts folks okay stop fighting me on all this. Riddler Roger strikes again. No surprise. No surprise. Alrighty, here we go. And this one came out of nowhere. I didn't think we were getting this, but but we get some breaking news. The Giants are seeking a trade for uh, the 2021 first round pick, Kadarius Tony, last season. We love Kadarius Tony. We thought Kadarius Tony was really going to be fantastic in this league. Now, the whole offense of the Giants hasn't really been there to really showcase his talents. And Kadarius Tony didn't really play the professional role too well last season, to put it gently. Got into a lot of uh, altercations. I think he's been ejected once last season as well. So, hasn't really always shown, hey, I could be this NFL player. So, that's maybe why the Giants are looking to get rid of him. Talent-wise, he's really proven talent in college. All right last season. Let's bring up this man's stats 
get a nice refresher on him. I know he didn't have close to 1,000 yards. I definitely know that uh, because I don't think he was, like, available to play. I don't think he played that many games last season. Let's quickly bring up all the stats to refresh your memory quickly. Yeah, only started four games, played in 10, only 420 yards. Um, catch percentage, it was at 68%. But once again, a little bit of a gadget guy, a uh, little bit of the speedster. He's out in the flats. He's out on those screen passes, everything like that. But 68% catch percentage is definitely great. I mean, that's something that we can truly sink our teeth into here. So um, not the most burn out here once again. But, you know, the Giants, they weren't a good organization last year. They, don't, they didn't have anybody offensively to help in, you know, um, keep – growing Kadarius Tony into a true great weapon that I think he can be. So Giants looking to move off of Kadarius Tony probably just because he, he's not uh he's not I, and I don't want this to like come off as like a true knock, but not just kind of that professional athlete that uh you know the teams all love to kind of ask for. Hey, I want you to act like a professional. Hey, let's all act like a professional. Let's not air our dirty laundry. Let's not get into fights out on the field. Let's go out, let's take care of and handle our business. Let's act like professionals. Y'all know the speeches that they give. So I would assume that's why the Giants and Brian Dable are just kind of moving off of Kadarius Tony. A little bit of maybe not the greatest leader, the greatest professional out there and it may be kind of toxifying the locker room a little bit because this is a locker room that needs a kind of a little bit of order overall because once again this Giants team has not been good for a very long time so really kind of crazy I think we've heard by Brian Dable before hey you know we're not interested in it but I think maybe it just all just got a little bit to be enough here and they're looking to trade Kadarius Tony. So a great weapon, I believe that can pan out to be fantastic, but maybe some antics that uh, can turn some people off a little bit. Alrighty, and then we get this, and once again, Debo Samuel, we talked about it yesterday, potentially looking to get out of the 49ers, not wanting to be there anymore, and we get three teams appearing to be the front runners on landing uh, Debo Samuel. So we get the Jets, Lions, and the Packers all potentially in the running for Debo Samuel. I would say do not go to the Lions because your career will probably be ended there. The Jets, the, if he goes to the Jets, uh, they now it's interesting. I don't see him going to the Jets because they already just signed Braxton Barrios. And if you have Braxton Barrios and Debo Samuel, I don't know. Uh, obviously, Debo Samuel's better than Braxton Barrios. But um, I also guess, uh, you know, Debo Samuel doesn't want to be kind of used as that kind of wide receiver running back combo. So the Jets would just have Braxton Barrows for that role and have Debo Samuel as just a wide receiver. So don't go to the Lions. The Jets, I don't know what's so appealing about that. And if you have an option to go to the Packers, yeah, definitely go to Green Bay. Help out Aaron Rodgers. Hopefully Aaron Rodgers can get you a ring. But that may not be the best case either so we'll see which one of these three teams get Debo Samuel or if a team out of nowhere comes up and swipes them up but uh the 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 three teams right now per ESPN are the Jets Lions Packers interested in Debo Samuel once again we haven't gotten the 49ers saying hey we're trading Debo Samuel we've just kind of gotten Debo Samuel kind of saying hey I'm demanding the trade I'm asking for a trade I'm done here y'all are not paying me y'all playing some games so far y'all want to start Trey Lance I'm out of here and I would have the same reaction. You're starting Trey Lance? Yeah, I'm out of here. So this whole Debo Samuel thing is truly interesting. It came, it came fast and furious, folks. I didn't think Debo Samuel was going to want to get traded like this, but here we are. And why are players wanting to lead the 49ers? It's such a great team. They're knocking on the door of the Super Bowl every single year. Why does everybody want to leave them? 
Hmm, Trey Lance, maybe? Not the guy? Not the guy? Hmm, we've been telling you that. You don't want to listen. Once again, stop fighting us on everything we say, folks, yes? So, Lions, Jets, Packers. Oh, my. We'll see who gets Debo Samuel. All right, let's go to this. Let's talk about Saquon Barkley here. And, uh, you know, this is okay. I've got no problem with you saying this, but, you know, we said this last year, so I don't know if we can truly buy into this again this year, right? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And I'm not getting shamed out here, folks. You think I'm going to shame myself on my own show in front of y'all? Of Of course not, folks. So here we go. Giants running back Saquon Barkley on returning to form after injury, saying, quote, I'm tired of the B. That is said about me or this team. I want to go out there and prove to this organization that the player they drafted is still there. Once again, yes, last year we were expecting that, you know? Getting back last season, you know, we had that same attitude. You were our canvas last season. I mean, it's not like we were, you know, knocking Saquon Barkley. We love Saquon Barkley. We wanted Saquon Barkley to return to that rookie year form of Saquon Barkley. We had a canvas spot, folks. There's only three canvas spots on our wall, folks. It's not like, you know, it's 100 canvases and, you know, we just picked you out of 100. No. These are elite coveted spots, folks. And you were one of our spots. So, you know, I would, I'm going to root for Saquon Barkley. But once again, actions speak louder than words. Injuries at the running back position are absolutely killer, crucial. And Saquon Barkley, you know, just the injury, it just may, you know, be enough. So let's read this article quickly. Let's hear what Saquon Barkley is trying to plead with us with. Is he trying to sell us on one more year of truly buying into him 100%? I don't know if we can take another year of buying into this man 100% and then being disappointed by the start of the season. Remember, he didn't even start the game one, folks. You know, he was kind of, you know, we were kind of, you know, played around with all offseason. Hey, he's going to start here. He's going to play good. He's going to start the season, all this. And then once again, he, the goalposts of Saquon Barkley kept getting pushed back and back and back. So we went through the ringer a little bit, folks. We went through the ringer a little bit with Saquon Barkley last season. I don't know if we can do it again. It'd be great if he's good next season, absolutely, and we'll praise him. But to sink all of our time and attention um, and believability on the show with this man, I think we have to go a different direction here this season. Believe in somebody else. Give somebody else a chance, yes? But let's see what Saquon Barkley is saying here. Here we go. Barkley spoke to the media on Wednesday as the Giants opened up their first voluntary training camp of the season. The running back said that after a disappointing last few seasons, he is ready to prove that the haters and the organization that drafted him that he can still contribute the way he did early on in his career, saying, quote, I'm just, I just want to kill. Just go crazy. Jeez, Barkley, tell us how you really feel. I just want to kill. Just go crazy. I'm tired of the BS that is said about me or this team, and I want to go out there and prove to this organization that the player they drafted is still there. Wow, all right, so he's got a huge fire lit under him. Yeah, and then we get this final quote right here, and now with the with the signs pointing to Barkley staying in New York for the foreseeable future, the running back said that he feels healthier than ever and ready to make a difference in 2022, saying, quote, I definitely feel a lot better, a lot better, I, I like myself again. So, he says he's feeling in tip-top shape, as great as he's ever felt, so this is the year for Saquon Barkley, but... I don't think we can leave this canvas up for two straight years, folks. New season, new canvases. Y'all know how we have to do it here on the show. So, Saquon Barkley, we'll be rooting for you, but a little bit further. We'll be a little bit over here. Hey, Saquon, you're great. We love seeing you, but we're way over here. We're cheering you on way over here because we were all the way up here cheering for you last year. 
and it didn't really make us look that great. So it's unfortunate. We want to root for you, but this is a prove-it year, recertification on Saquon Barkley. Yes. Do we have to do a re uh, recertification on running backs, folks? I can do that. We can do that. We have to get past the draft first, folks. Let's take care of business on the draft front first. But we'll do a recertification on running backs if that's what we have to do. We have four quarterbacks at recertification. Let's recertify some running backs. Saquon Barkley is definitely going to be number one on that list. So maybe we'll do that. Maybe we will start recertifying some running backs because Saquon Barkley is definitely one that needs recertification. So he's believing in himself. He's feeling himself. He just wants to kill. I would like to see it, and then we can get behind him. So that's where we're at with Saquon Barkley. But let's go to another running back here. And once again, the Eagles, folks, I'm telling you, I'm loving the Eagles, and I'm hoping that uh, this article as well makes us love the Eagles even more. Once again, we read these stories to see, are we still liking them, or do we have to rein it in a little bit? And everything that we've been getting with the Eagles, we're just keep on loving it, folks. So we're hearing from Eagles running back Kenneth Gainwell plans to, quote, go crazy in his second season with the Eagles, and that's exactly what we want to hear we know this Eagles running game is already established the offensive line the running backs um you know uh Nick's uh Nick uh uh, what, what is his name Nick Sirianni great coach great offensive mind everything like that so this Eagles running game is already established you build upon that for Kenneth Gainwell in year two and now we're off and running absolutely so let's see what Kenneth Gainwell has to say and if we're buying into this Eagles team even more once again we have the Eagles winning the division hands down no debate Cowboys would not even be close loving the Eagles in the NFC East this year but let's read what we get by Kenneth Gainwell so let's read the first lead up here we go the Philadelphia Eagles backfield is expecting big things in 2022 and so am I following Miles Sanders's comment last week fellow Eagles running back Kenneth Gainwell offered his own expectations heading into the second season let's take a quick look at what Miles Sanders says because we are we already know this is running back by committee and if both running backs are kind of you know real into it yeah he, uh, Miles Sanders says taking it a little bit more personal entering final season of rookie deal so okay okay so we got kind of the veteran Miles Sanders playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder hey I, I'm taking things a little bit more personal this season and then we have you know kind of second year Kenneth Gainwell coming from the optimism standpoint let's see what he's saying he says quote I'm trying to go into year two and go crazy. Year one was good for me, but I feel like Nick, uh, Coach Nick Sirianni, he knows what he got out of me. I'm coming back and I'm going off. So once again, yes, Nick Sirianni already seeing what he could do, building upon that year two, building the dual threat ability with Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell, putting it all together. It's all coming together for the Eagles, folks. I'm loving it, loving it. Let's Let's read the last uh, last quote right here. Here we go. Final lead up. At times during the season, Gainwell displayed pop as a dual threat back with upside to break a big play. Throughout the season, Sirianni talked up the young running back as a vital member of the offense. The 23-year-old projects to have a more prominent role this season in Philadelphia's run-heavy scheme, saying, quote, I just want to dominate. It doesn't matter if it's on the actual field or the playbook. I'm attacking every part because that's all I know. Yes, that's all he knows. The killer's got to kill. And a killer will kill because that's all the killer knows. Hey, I know how to kill. You need somebody killed? I'll kill him. That's Gainwell this season, baby. Hey, you need somebody to run? I can run. That's all I know is running, baby. 
Let me score some tugs. Um, folks, folks, this is what I'm talking about, folks. Eagle, Eagles getting absolutely no love. Eagles, um, like media members are still trying to move off of Jalen Hurts, folks. Once again, y'all are looking at the wrong teams and the wrong players and the wrong quarterbacks, honestly. Can we all start giving some respect to this Eagles team? The Cowboys will not be good. We already know this, folks. We're already, we're four months away from the regular season, folks, and I already know the Cowboys won't be good. We don't need to debate this. This doesn't need to take up our time every single show. Let's focus on the good teams this upcoming season. The Eagles, yes, yes, folks. Man, it's, uh, you know, y'all just have to watch this show. This show, I mean, folks, there's no biases over here from us. We don't only, you know, go with the teams that get clicks. And the Cowboys always will get clicks because it's the Cowboys. It's Jerry Jones. It's quote-unquote America's team. I think they're one of the richest franchises in the, in the NFL. So we get that. But once again, there's other teams to talk about. The Eagles, Kenneth Gainwell, Nick Sirianni. Yes, these are greatness right here. Folks, this is growing greatness right in front of our eyes. We don't have to, you know, keep trying to pretend that we all like Ezekiel Elliott anymore. We're done with the man. Two straight bonk seasons. I'm done. There is coming back from that. But once again, that's recertification. Put Ezekiel. I mean, folks, I, like, I, we don't have time in the show, but I'm about, we're, we're making it, folks. We are making it. Running back recertification. Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott, number one and number two. No debate right there. And I think I put Ezekiel Elliott number one because he's not really coming off of an injury where Saquon Barkley is. So I'll give Saquon Saquon Barkley a little bit more of a free pass in that sense. So Zeke Elliott's number one. Saquon Barkley is number two. But we have recertification at the running back position. It's it's certified, folks. It, it is down. We are making a note. We cannot do it over the next five days because we still have to prepare for the draft a little bit. And we won't even be able to get to the draft today on the show. How unfortunate. Uh, but after the draft, recertifications on the running backs. And now we're going to take a peek at those wide receivers who needs recertification. Everybody's up for uh, everybody's up for potential debate now because uh, y'all because y'all are not giving credit to uh, the the players that need credit. So this is yours y'all's doing. We're having running back recertification list. So Kenneth Gainwell and the Eagles, folks, watch out for them. I'm telling y'all, loving this Eagles team so far. Alrighty, let's uh, keep going here, and we got to get uh, up to date up to date information on the whole Washington Commanders uh, scandal. Yes, so we had some more information come out on the 18th that we were not able to get to. So let's quickly read this article. We can go through it very very quickly and just see where we are at at this point in time with the Washington Commanders uh, scandals of having kind of two books on the record. <laughs> so here we go. Let's see what the nudist uh, new information is. So here we go. The Washington Washington commanders denied several allegations of financial impropriety in a letter sent Monday to the U.S. Federal Trade Commission. The 105-page letter, which included testimony, emails, and other documents, came as a response to the U.S. House Oversight and Reform Committee asking the FTC to look into the team's business practices. Now, did this 105-page letter, which included Test, included testimony, emails, and documents. Did this come from the real book or the cooked book? I'm um, just wondering. Which book? Which which book did you pull this information from? I'm just wondering, Washington. Did, was it the good book, the fake book, or are there more than just two books? Which book did you pull this out of? Yes? Yes? Continuing on, the committee last week told the FTC in a letter that it found, found evidence of potentially deceptive 
business practices over the span of more than a decade, 10 plus years, folks, went unnoticed. How crazy. Including withholding ticket revenue from visiting teams and refundable deposits from fans. The NFL said it engaged Securities and Exchange Commission Chair Mary Jo White to review the most serious matters raised by the committee. The commi- the commander's letter signed by Jordan W. Sieve from the law firm Reed Smith denies all of those allegations. What? What? Somebody in the NFL denying all al- allegations, even though there's pretty much proof, but denying all allegations, saying we did nothing wrong. You're the ones that are wrong. Why are you bringing up this lawsuit against us? This investigation into us. Y'all are the ones that are wrong. We did nothing wrong. This is exactly, folks. What, what do we got? Like four different lawsuits in the NFL so far. Brian Flores. Um, Deshaun Watson, Washington. What's one more? I'm pretty sure I'm forgetting one. Who cares? That's how many lawsuits and what is the same language all throughout? Denies, vehemently denies, 100% denies. I'm not wrong. You're wrong. What's the other one that, uh, what's our kind of key one that we say? Um, mm, uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, bu- 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 uh, I'm, I'm blanking on it, folks. Hang on. It's on the tip of the tongue. So on the tip of the tongue, remember Aaron Rodgers brought up the same, um, brought up kind of the same language. Oh, it's killing me. It's kind of like like uh, it's like absolutely false, but that's not the exact words right here, folks. Hmm. Hmm. All right, we may have to move off of it. It's right on the t- 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 tip of the tongue, folks. Man, oh man, it's gonna drive me crazy. What words were they all using? Give me one more second, folks. I'm scrolling. Give me one more second. If we can't find it, we'll move on. Mm. Mm. One more second. One more second. One more. Give me one more scroll, folks. One more scroll. Scroll. I know it's real quick. It's right here. Who's got it? Who's got the quote? All right. We may not be able to find it real quick. But y'all know what we're saying. Hey, this is 100% false. This is not true. You're wrong. I'm not wrong. You're wrong. So once again, same language being kind of used by everybody here when they're when they're clearly wrong, but they want to lie about it. Hey, this is I'm denying everything. Yeah, I'm not. No, nothing was wrong here. Nothing was wrong. This is all false. I'm not wrong. You're wrong. Let's get back to this. The commander's letter signed by Jordan W. Sieve from the law firm Reed Smith denies all of those allegations and takes aim at the motives and character of the former VP of sales and customer service, Jason Friedman, whose testimony against the team framed the committee's recommendation. Sieve argues no financial investigation is warranted, writing the committee never requested information about the allegations made which the commanders believe would clear them of any wrongdoing, saying, quote, the committee did not request a single document from the team. The committee did not invite a single representative of the team to address the truth of the matters contained in the committee's letter. And the committee did not pose questions to the team to answer in writing about the allegations or provide any mechanism whatsoever for the team to address the truth of the allegations, the letter said. Quote, he had the committee pose any of those questions or requests to the team. The team could and would easily and fully have rebuted each allegation. So if you gave us time, if you gave us an official kind of, uh, you know, uh, prompt, we would have given you everything you wanted. So, all right. What else do we get here? Quickly wrap, wrap up the article Keep on going. Congress began looking into the team's workplace misconduct after after the league did not release 
a report detailing the findings of an independent investigation into the matter, which led to a $10 million fine, but no other discipline. The committee said the NFL and the team have taken steps to withhold key documents and information. So we did nothing wrong, but we're not going to release the report. Yes, we'll pay the $10 million fine, but we're not releasing the port. So the report. So yeah, that kind of stinks. Once again, everybody loves to kind of, you know, gush about, Hey, we're fully transparent until they're not fully transparent. It's like, Hey, if you're going to preach full of transparency, then it's a hundred percent. There's no, Hey, you know, this is transparent, but this is not. No, no, no. If you ever say the words, we're 100% transparent, you must always be 100% transparent. The NFL loves to say that, hey, we're transparent, absolutely. But yeah, we're not going to release the findings here or here. Uh, and no, even with the fine, no, 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 we're still not releasing it. So doesn't help your case. In response to Congress's letter to the FCC on April 2nd, a commander spokesperson referred NFL.com to the organization's statement issued on March 31st saying, quote, the team, cate- there it is, categorically denies any suggestion of financial impropriety uh, of any kind at any time. So once again, the team categorically denies, 100% false, unequivocally false, all of that. Once again, same word, same language, over, um, over, overcompensating. I'm not, I'm not just innocent. I'm a hundred percent, one trillion percent innocent. There is no way that I am not innocent. I am 1000% categorically, undeniably, unequivocally innocent. Once again, using overcompensation, uh, it's 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 not an end all be all like hey if you overcompensate then yeah you are 100% guilty but you know it's got a good track record folks Quote here, we adhere to strict internal processes that are consistent with industry and accounting standards, are audited annually by a globally respected independent auditing firm, and are also subject to regular audits by the NFL. We continue to cooperate fully with the committee's work. So that's where we are with the Washington scandal. The FTC is saying, yes, you're wrong. The commanders are saying, no, we're not. Not even close. What are you, crazy? And yeah, Washington doesn't have really kind of the best leg to stand on given, you know, their whole sagas. I mean, this is like the fifth scandal so far, folks. So not great by Washington. It seems like they're guilty, but they're going down with the ship, folks. So once again, that's what people do when they're caught. They double, triple, quadruple down. They don't say that they're wrong. We know this, folks. So... Yes, we can still give the commanders a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, but it's shrinking by the day, truly. All right, final thing to quickly wrap up here, and then we're out of here for today, and we've got our kind of backlog of stories, kind of 100% good now. So we still have to investigate Justin Herbert, but we've got a lot of time in the offseason too. Is Justin Herbert clutch? Is Justin Herbert good? Does Justin Herbert belong on the quarterback recertification list for this season? This man makes some pretty interesting arguments and we'll talk about them then but we don't have time today to fully get into it we need a nice little 20 25 minute segment to truly investigate everything about justin herbert but let's wrap it up here uh another one another article about uh uh investigation going on in the nfl this one about um 
Hugh Jackson. So the NFL has opened an investigation into allegations that the Cleveland Browns provided incentives to then head coach Hugh Jackson to lose games during the 2016 and 2017 seasons. Now, all right, so this is coming back into the limelight here, uh, the spotlight. We talked about this a little bit when it initially broke, but the way that Hugh Jackson was defining it himself was basically like, well, I was losing games and they kept paying me, so I just thought that's what they wanted. So this wasn't no incentivizing you to lose like they were with Brian Flores. Because Brian Flores is saying, hey, Stephen Ross explicitly told me, hey, every game you lose, I will pay you $100,000. With Hugh Jackson, it's like, hey, I they hired me as a head coach. I was losing. They kept signing my checks. So I took that as, hey, I should keep losing games. That's not incentivizing. That's just, hey, they paid you to do a job. You are not doing the job. You are still under contract. So that's why you were getting paid. It was just you were being trashed and you were still getting paid because you are under contract and you are the head coach. They had to pay you. They can't not pay you because you're not winning. So it's just real bizarre that uh, Hugh Jackson would kind of attribute the Browns of incentivizing him to lose games when he was just losing games and getting a paycheck for it. That's it. So let's see what uh, the NFL is saying now. We can quickly go in this article because I don't think there's any merit behind this lawsuit, but let's get all the facts here. So here we go. The NFL has opened an investigation into allegations that the Cleveland Browns provided incentives to then-head coach Hugh Jackson to lose games during the 2016 and 2017 season. In an email statement, the league confirmed that former Securities and Exchange Commission Chair Mary Jo White of Debevoe and Plimpton LLP is leading an independent probe into allegations made by Jackson in February saying, quote, the re- the review is ongoing and expected to conclude soon. White has also been hired by the league to investigate the Miami Dolphins in light of Brian Flores' claim that he was offered $100,000 per loss by Stephen Oder, Stephen owner John, uh, Stephen Ross by owner Stephen Ross during the 2019 season. Reached by Sports Illustrated for comment, Jackson said, "Quote: Two years ago, I tried to do this the right way. Thought the bylaws and constitution of the NFL league." National Football League to ask ask them to investigate the Cleveland Browns for all allegations that I've made. So why open an investigation now? So, all right, Hugh Jackson said, hey, I already tried to do this. It didn't work. And uh, now why are they doing it now? Interesting there. All right, keep on going here. A Brown spokesperson sent the following statement saying, quote, even though Hugh recanted his allegations a short time after they were made. Yeah, exactly. He recanted it. That's why we were like wild that Hugh Jackson was like re- joining Brian Flores' lawsuit, and then we get this. So this is just real weird. He recanted his statements because he was kind of like, hey, you know, I wasn't getting paid. This wasn't incentivizing. They were just signing my paycheck. So once again, back to this, quote, even though Hugh recanted his allegations a short time after they were made, it was important for to us and to the integrity of the game to have an independent review of the allegations. We welcome an investigation and are confident the results will show, as we per- previously stated, that these allegations are categorically false categorically false another you know language that they were using we have fully cooperated with mary joe white and look forward to these findings so yeah hugh jackson's like hey why are they having an investigation now because he's worried that he's going to be found as a big fraud and phony and liar hey no no no! i recanted my statements we don't have to have an investigation why are you doing an investigation now well the browns were like hey we for integrity of the game which i love hey being full transparent hey this is an allegation that we take seriously we don't pay anybody to lose games once again folks 
we have to remember the NFL is truly a little bit of a sacred institution for as long as it's been around for the for the magnitude that it truly draws in I mean it is, it is an institution folks and it is believed to be a fair institution there's really nothing big about cheating and rigged games and you know entertainment like the WWE and not a true uh, sport and uh, competition and contest so the fact that the Browns are kind of going above and beyond to be like, hey, we need to get this straightened out. And even the slightest allegation, we will have full transparency on. So for that, the Browns, I truly respect. But Hugh, jo Hugh Jackson now being like, hey, why are you investigating? I, you know, We don't have to do this. Why are you doing it now? Because Hugh Jackson recanted his statement and is a little bit of a liar, potentially. That's why he doesn't want the investigation to truly pan out. So... Um, yeah, not looking good, but let's finish up the final three paragraphs here quickly. The Browns, under the guidance of owner Jimmy and D. Haslam, Chief Strategy Officer Paul DePesta, Executive Vice President of Football Operations Sashi Brown, and Jackson compiled a 1-15 record in 16, followed by an 0-16 mark in 17. Brown was fired December 7th, 2017. Jackson was fired on October 28th, 2018, after starting his third season 2-5-1. In March 2021, Jackson told ESPN 850 in Cleveland that, quote, there's no doubt it was lied to by ownership and leadership of the team. They were going to be football plus analytics, but it was football versus analytics. So another, you know, complaint brought up by Hugh Jackson, you know, hey, you know, they weren't letting me do my job. And, uh, you know, if I had all the money to do my job and all the faith and backability to do my job, I would have won a Super Bowl. That's another thing he kind of said, hey, I would have won a Super Bowl. That's why, you know, I thought that they wanted me here because I was losing games when I could have been winning Super Bowls if I, you know, was 100% in control of the team, but I wasn't. And uh, that's why I think I'm getting paid to lose games. It's real bizarre, folks. And it's a lot of uh, what's the actual phrase um it's a lot of when you have to do a mental gymnastics you have to do a lot of mental gymnastics to get to the conclusion that the browns were paying hugh jackson to lose games so the lawsuit is there as a little bit of transparency and for that we absolutely have no problem with that so that's what it's looking like for Hugh Jackson. He wasn't paid. He was doing a lot of mental gymnastics to make it look like, hey, uh, they did the same thing they did with Brian Flores to me. But I was the OG one, so I deserve more attention and credit. So that's what we've got with this whole Browns lawsuit in the NFL. So that's a little bit of clarification on some lawsuits going on in the NFL that could truly bring down the game. They could, these two lawsuits, if 100%, you know, they have 100% proof and the proof gets leaked and we get true information in our hands, the consumer's hands, and not just like the media's hands and all that, this could bring down the NFL, folks, and lose a lot of faith in that institution of the NFL. And if that happens, I don't even know if we can have a show. I don't know if I could talk about a rigged NFL, folks, like a WWE-style NFL. I don't know if I could do that, folks. I love competition. I love, uh, I love high levels of competition too much to uh, kind of talk about a rigged game. So if that happens, folks, uh, it, would, it would suck for takes by fans. I would just say that. All righty, folks, that's going to do it for us today. We got about 15 minutes before uh, tip-off, folks, on... NBA playoff golden era basketball. So we're going to get out of here. Enjoy your rest of the day of basketball. That's what we're going to be doing over here at the studio, folks. Going to be watching basketball all day. It's going to be fantastic. So we're back live tomorrow, noon Eastern, breaking down everything that we just saw today. Betting on the final, final four-game playoff day tomorrow, Sunday, the final one for the rest of the year, folks. So live it up these last two days. So 
All that tomorrow on the show. With everything else that breaks, y'all know we got to talk about it. So, back tomorrow, live noon Eastern, folks. Have an absolute great one. Win a little bit of money. Hopefully, your team wins. And uh, we will be up 3-0 on y'all. Celtics will win, folks. Take those points. Us versus y'all game three, folks. Cannot wait. 7-30, folks. Cannot wait. We'll see you tomorrow, folks.